Hallelujah. All right, well, welcome to our, our Wednesday midday service. Uh, we're going to uh, spend some time getting into what we've been talking about the last few weeks, sexuality's voice, <clears throat> sexuality's voice. All right, so let's go to, let's open up with 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, and we'll hit verse 16. It says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, is not of the Father, but is of the world, but is of the world. So we, we spent some time talking about, you know, even from Genesis where, where you know, Eve was tempted with that fruit, now, how she saw was good for food, um, pleasant to the eyes, and to make one wise, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, again, you know, started out even in the garden. So we've been talking about how that's the adversary's game. You know, you know, same script that he's running over and over and over again. And so, so... And what we realize that we have to get to a place where we're not um, falling for the same trap. You know, the Amplifier says this, do not love the world of sin that opposes God and his precepts. It says, nor the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, uh, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust and sensual cravings of the flesh and the lust and longing of the eyes and the boastful pride of life, look, pretentious confidence in one's resources or in the stability of earthly things. <laughs> Something we were talking about driving in here, right? It says, these do not come from the Father, but are of the world. So, so look there. The pride of life is pretentious confidence in one's resources or in the stability of earthly things. So, so depending on earthly things as opposed to depending on uh, the things that God can give us. Uh, so, so, and God doesn't want us to do that. So, so obviously we've been talking about trying to get past some of these, these lusts, some of these temptations. Uh, Scripture says, uh, this is just an audible real quick in Mark chapter 4, verse 19. You know, just to show you how this is all through the Bible, of uh, uh, 419, it says, And the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things enter in and choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. All right? And so to get beyond some of these particular, uh, all right, so, so uh, to get past these lusts, our solution to this, uh, to everything we've been talking about, just uh, taming sexuality's voice, you know, we interviewed the flesh and the spirit a couple of weeks ago, really is the word. Uh, let's look here, Matthew 12, our solution to our lustful challenges is the word. So if you think about it, even as we grow as Christians, 
when we first transition as a Christian, I think we don't do bad with prayer. You know what I'm saying? Like we, you know, like if you talk to somebody and you're like, so, so where are you when you grow with the Lord? It's like, man, I pray all the time. So, so we don't do bad with prayer, but I think we, we struggle with the word. But even the scripture says, you know, if you pray anything according to his will, he hears you. So, so uh, but then the scripture also says in John 9.31, it says, uh, God doesn't hear the prayer of the sinner. And so I think the word keeps us in harmony with God, so, so, but it keeps him t- attuned to, to uh, him, us communicating to him. Because we're not praying, praying according to the world, we're praying according to his will, right? Because you know, sometimes I, I can see some conversations, God's like, yeah, he probably is a gentleman about it. He's like, what are you talking about? Like, that's not even in my word. Like, that doesn't even line up with anything that, you know, no, you already have that in my word. No, I, I, you, you can, why are you asking for something I gave you already? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, because we don't know his word. And so that's our solution. Look here. Uh, Matthew 12, 33. Look, it says, and either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by his fruit or his or her fruit, what we produce, right? Oh, generation of vipers, how can you be evil, speak good things? So what it's saying is if we get caught up in the world and lust, we're, we're drinking evil but expecting good, Right? And so, so it says, O generation of vipers, how can ye being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And when we talked about you snare by the words of your mouth, life and death is in the power of the tongue. Verse 35, a good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. Right? And so, so, so we understand when we talked about what you feed the most will be the stronger. But if you feed yourself the words, you're going to speak faith-filled words. And that's going to determine your life. You'll be snared by what the word says. Let's go here. As we say in the word is the solution to this, this, this sexuality's voice challenge or the flesh challenge or lust challenge is what we've been talking about. All right. Um, and look, look, it says John 15, verse 3. John 15, verse 3. Look, it says, now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. You are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Right? Clean through the word. So the more word we get in, it cleanses us. And then a familiar scripture at our church, at least I know I've referenced it a lot, uh, Psalm 119. Psalm 119. And for this conversation, we'll just hit 130. And it says, the entrance of the word giveth light. It gives understanding to the simple. So we know the more word we take in, it cleanses us. We understand that. Then we'll speak faithful words. But we also understand that the entrance of the word bringeth light. It gives understanding to the simple. So if you think about it, if we're bound and we're stuck in places, most of the time we're stuck because we don't understand how to get out. If that makes sense? Like sometimes, you, you know, some of the things we deal with, you know, I always say this, and some people may think, you know, I'm pacifying, but I'm not. 
uh, generally speaking, I don't think no one is trying to be evil. But that doesn't mean we don't do evil things, right? And so sometimes we get stuck in an evil place or a compromised place or a weak place, as we were talking about the last couple of weeks ago, um, because we're stuck, but we don't understand how to get out. So God sends us his word to assist us in being released or escaping. You should know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Or we can say set you free, or we can say loose you from what's binding you, right? And so, so I was reflecting on the consistency of messages God has been sending our way. I was just, you know, because you know, I sit back and like, okay, God, what, you know, where are you taking us? And obviously, a common theme around our church is purpose. Like you and you ain't, no matter what, I have a pastor friend, he was like, so you like, uh, you like the, the new Miles Monroe. He always said that to me, you know, because uh, so, you're always talking about purpose. Uh, but the common theme is purpose, uh, discipline, sanctification, holiness. We talk about love. We're, we're real strong about love and loving people and stuff like that. But, but I think in our season of where we are, not just in culture, but even us as a church, God talks to us about purpose, talks to us about discipline. He talks to us about sanctification. He talks to us about holiness. He weaves it through all the messages. And so, so I, I ask questions, you know, in my relationship with God. So I say, why, God? And he said, uh, and, and this is something God revealed to me. He says, um, sometimes uh, people don't receive uh, these things that I'm communicating to them as non-negotiables. Uh, they receive my instructions as optional. And so, so but when I'm giving them stuff, I'm giving them exactly what they need and what really I, I need them to do. But they'll go, okay, that's, man, that's deep, deep. But not... I got to get right on this, right? He says, uh, um, he says, a lot of times we operate if we like it or not. So if I like what I hear, yes. If I don't, I may not ascribe to it. Then he said this. He says, we determine the length of instruction time. So how long we're supposed to receive these particular instructions by our tolerance, not our obedience. So, so he said, what happens is, I'm giving instruction, and we determine based on how we feel or um, based on our level of tolerance, okay, that's enough. I've heard that. Not I've applied that. I'm obedient to that, but I've heard that is, is what the Lord was saying. He says, but it's the, the time of instruction is determined by obedience, not tolerance. You know, but again, he says a lot of this is just, you know, the culture we're in where we, you know, our culture is, well, you think about it, even electronics and stuff like that, keeping it real, like every six months they come out with something new. And, and, and what, what you don't realize, they may change the face of it, but the core is still the same. You still have the same. Like a lot of technology, you can, up, up, you can update the phone you have and have the same technology as a new phone, maybe with the exception of they got a new camera or something. But a lot of people don't realize. Same thing with cars. They'll change the lights, the headlights, or the taillights, but you pretty much have the same car with the same engine. You know, I think they change out a lot of stuff or body styles every seven years for some, you know, especially some European vehicles. But they, they predicate on us going, it's new. Not, do you need it? <laughs> 
You see what I'm saying? Like it's a whole nother way of, 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 of messing with our head. Like it's new, it's new, it's new. Like, you know, you, people keeping up with the, the latest uh, uh, sneaker style. It's new, it's new, it's new. It's like they, so, so they play you, but you get in the same, same shoe, you know, like, but they just change the color. And this, this is what they would do. They would put out the, this ugly color, not ugly color, but just jewelry color. And it's the only, the, the style is nice, but it's the only color you can get. It could get you to buy the color. Then they'll come out with a different color, and you'd be thinking it's a new shoe. It's the same shoe. They just waited and played you on, I want you to buy this first. And so I'm saying that to say, this is what we do. We determine the word the same way. Like, we're looking for something new, and we haven't applied what we've gotten yet. And so when God is feeding us, God is different. God is saying, I got to keep giving this to you until you learn to apply it in your life. But we go, well, I've heard that it's, I'm at a place where I can't tolerate this no more. So what I'm going to do is now I'm going to go somewhere where somebody's giving me something different and more comfortable. But, but, but God is saying, don't determine my instruction time by your tolerance. Determine my instruction time by your obedience. So we can move on to something else when you've gotten this. I think about, you know, training your kids to, to potty train. You train your children to potty train. And you, you're giving them the instructions, but let's say your child goes, listen, we've been talking about this potty training like every day, every day. You want to go potty? Listen, I got diapers. Let's just roll with the diapers. And then you go, my bad. I probably talked about that long enough. I won't talk about potty training no more. No, you keep talking about potty training till what? Till they get it. I, I, I noticed something. I've been watching you guys. You know, people have, I watch you guys, you got cups, you got bottles. I don't see nobody with a pacifier. I don't see nobody with a, with drinking, you know, milk in a bottle. Why? Because you were trained that you have to get beyond that. And, and, they, and, and it, was, it, it kept being drilled until you did what? Change. Right? God is the same way. Like, he's giving you what you need for us to apply it, not for us to go, ah, that's enough. Here we go again. You know, I, you know I'm, a, I'm a father. I, I mean, at a certain stage, my son was like, Dad, here we go again. And I was like, son, I'm not really trying to keep talking about this. So it, you can shut me up quick. Change. <laughs> this is something you have to do. I remember telling him one time at the house, I said, I don't have a choice. I'm responsible for this household. I said, so it's not like I want to be liked like everybody else, but not at the expense of what God is saying he wants to happen in our house. Same thing as, a, as pastors. We want to be liked, but not at the expense of God getting what he wants to done in the house. So that's why it might not be accommodating. And we understand people run to the, the soothing, accommodating cultures, and, and it's nothing we could do. We got to be obedient to what God says. We can't just soothe everybody at the expense of their lives. So... I'm going to get to something here in a second, but I remember my son was really, you know, he's, he went through some changes. You know, he got phenomenal in basketball. You know, we always talk about he got, got the big head there for a while. But uh, he was in a situation where he wanted to come back home. And I remember I told my wife we'll pray about it. So she was, you know, we had a conversation. I won't get into all that. I've shared that before. But I said, uh, 
I said, well, babe, I can't help the situation at the expense of his life. So the goal was, let's give him what's best for him. Uh, we might not be liked right now, but it, it's going to benefit his life. So I had to, his life had to be more important than him liking me. And I understand why God took me through that training, and, and I had to be obedient to it. And my wife had to be obedient to it because he knew we was going to pastor. And we have to be obedient. We can't help your situation at the expense of your life. Can't just soothe you, and then you like us, but then you go through crazy. And when you wake up, when you come up out of that funk, you know the first person you're going to blame? The person that had the opportunity to tell you the truth. Well, how come you didn't tell me? You see it right now. Well, my dad wasn't, you know, he just gave me, bought me stuff. He didn't care, you know. So, so, so I'm saying that for a reason. Um, because this keeps us stuck in levels uh, where we keep having to take time, take the same test over and over. Because we don't think passing the test is essential. Um, if you're tired of hearing the message, don't run to something more soothing. Hearken to his word. Change, grow, disciple others to change and grow, right? That word hearken is all through the Bible, Old Testament, what have you. It means listen with the intent to obey, not to, as it's an option. God is speaking. Who knows better for our life than God, right? God is speaking. All right, so with that in mind, again, let's go here to James chapter 1. So we opened up with First uh, John uh, 2.16, where it talks about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Then we got to Matthew 12.33, where, you know, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speak, but, you know, you can't produce good fruit uh, eating evil, right? And then we talked to John 15.3, your clean is cleansed or clean through the word. That word is what's going to clean us. And then we talked about Psalm 119, 130. Inches of the word bring of light gives understanding to the simple. So we talked about taking in more light to drive out that darkness, those things that are, have been having us uh, succumb to sexuality's voice. All right, so James chapter 1. So we said our solution here is the word. And sometimes we're not receiving the word because we, where our, uh, our tolerance level is not based on, uh, well, our reception of time to receive is based on our tolerance, but not our obedience. So James 1.21 says this, this is wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, lay apart all these things, right? It says, and receive with meekness. The engrafted word, look, which is able to save your souls. Look, it says, but be ye a doer of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. He recognizes who he really is. Verse 24, but he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, not God's way, but his way and forget what manner of man he was, Right? Like lose his sight. And so, so here you're saying, God is saying, receive this word with meekness. And so, you know, it's a different, it's, it's a different uh, posture when you're operating in meekness or we talk about humility through Matthew 5. 
is a different way of receiving. We go into a lot of situations assuming we can assess God's Word and assess which Word we can apply. And the other thing is, sometimes we come to service with a clipboard. You know, we, we, we show up with service almost like uh, we're inspectors. Okay, let me just see if I approve not just this message, but this flow. Now, you, you have to ask yourself, what are you using to approve it? Your arrival? You're all knowledge. So you know all knowledge. You know every process according to mankind, and you know exactly how things are supposed to flow. And you're making sure we're lining up with that. Most of the time, that's not what we're doing. We're, we're making sure things are lining up with what's comfortable for us. But when you show up in a God's house, hopefully the man and woman of God are doing what's comfortable for God. It's God's word, it's God's design, it's God's house, it's God's church, it's God's direction. It's not Keith's direction, Melanie's direction, it's not none of ours, it's God's. And so, so we have to understand it's a dangerous thing to have a, I'm, I'm going to say is have a spiritual clipboard because you're almost, for you to think you can assess it, you have to place yourself at a, le- at a, a level of elevation above every, every People that have set, them apart, self, self, set themselves apart to hear from God. Sometimes we think our pain justifies it. No, our pain just means whoever caused it, don't spend no more time around that fool. But it doesn't give you the, the, the right to uh, conform everybody you deal with through the lenses of that pain. It doesn't. And so, so all these things facilitate the adversary having access to our souls to affect our minds and get us to choose to operate on the flesh, like we talked about last week, you know, to operate fleshly-minded. Because when you're hurt, it creates a void. You get thirsty. The adversary jumps in line first and goes, man, just take this right now relief. Don't go through the process of healing. Just take this right now relief. And so we start to taste of compromise and end up getting dragged in the compromise. We talked about that in James chapter 1. You know, when sin is finished, it brings forth death. Well, we're in James chapter 1, so we, I guess we can look at it, huh? Jump, jump up here to verse 12. Uh, it says, uh, blessed is the man that endures temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive a crown of life which the Lord has promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust, keyword own lust, and enticed. And when lust has conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And when sin is finished, it bringeth forth death. Sin has only one plan, and that's to kill us. It has only one plan. It has to kill us. There's no, there's no uh, friendship with sin that's going to work to your benefit, right? So it's just something to think about. See, so, so this is the thing. This word can save our soul. We just, you know, we just said that. And we went through the whole interview and talked about how the word is speaking to the soul. You know, the word is telling the soul, walk in the spirit, not feel the lust of the flesh. It's telling the soul the spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. And here we know this word will save our soul. But once your soul is saved, it releases what's been indwelled or suppressed in your spirit, man. And now the spirit is guiding the flesh. And so we talked about pivoting that soul back to spirit, soul and body, not 
body or flesh influencing the soul and influencing the spirit, right? So we talked about how Satan perverted some things in the wilderness. So, so our goal here is to allow the word to become flesh in us. Scripture says in John 1, it says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the same was in the beginning with God, right? And it says, and the, that's John 1, 1 through 2, whatever. 1, John 1, 14 says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So the word that was with God in the beginning, which we know was uh, uh, Christ, became flesh. And so we have to, when we receive the word, we allow it to become flesh in us, right? So the word became flesh. Uh, became flesh. That word was placed in a limited vessel. Like, so Christ was placed in a, in a, in a vessel that has limits. This body has limits. There's certain things it can and cannot do, right? You know, uh, First uh, Corinthians 15 talks about eventually we'll have glorified bodies with no limits, right? But right now, that, that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, to dwell or abide uh, in all who have been baptized or who abides in Him. So, John 15, 5, if you abide me, my words abide in you. You can ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. I know I'm going kind of fast, but trying to triangulate some things so we can understand what I'm about to talk about. So here you have this word. You have, okay, you have this, this, this compromise, uh, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. You have this struggle. I'm trying to change, but I don't understand. You have this word that can come in, help us to understand, but also can cleanse us of the, the, the craving or the thirst for things outside of God. More words you get, the more you thirst for the word. I remember uh, in pursuing basketball, I had a I had my season, I had my off-season. So off-season, I, I would drink water, you know, I, bland, no sugars, no starches, no nothing. And so the, so, so the thing is, but your body is craving, you know, I don't do it anymore. I don't even drink soda, but I just drink root beer. I told you my root beer and Oreo cookies, that was my off-season. But, but to, to, to get myself back on water, I just drank water. I didn't say I wasn't going to drink root beer. And so I just kept drinking water. And I had a thirst for water, right? And so, so it's the same thing. You, you feed yourself, drink this word, and what happens is you'll have a craving for the word. Just like all the things you crave is because you fed yourself these things. And so now it, it creates a thirst and an appetite for it. So, so it's not, I'm not going to do this no more. It's doing what God says. You see what I'm saying? So, so, so again, so we have... Uh, uh, I think uh, uh, John, John 15, 5 says, apart from him, you could do nothing. So we're trying to marry. Uh, there's a marriage of the words to the flesh. You know, the scripture says the two shall be one flesh. So that, that, that it's not just uh, I know the word. It's, it's, it's getting to a place where you become the word. So, I, so we, I learned this from my wife, you know, how she's training singers and different things like that, praise teams or whatever. It's not about singing the song, it's becoming the song. So it's almost like you're gone and people just experience, you know, the song coming through you. You know, I mean, remember that was Satan's job uh, when he was Lucifer. He moved and, uh, and beautiful sound came out of him. And so, so the goal is for, so every, every time we squeeze, word comes out. You know, so when we're squeezed right now in a crisis and circumstance, what comes out? 
normally what you put in. When you're under pressure, how do you respond? Is it, remember we, t- we had our, our two people we interviewed, is the flesh responding or is the spirit responding? Well, the one you feed the most, the one you're, you, you've become one with, have you become one with the flesh or one with the spirit? Right? Just some, something to think about, right? So the word became flesh again. And uh, something I learned from Miles Monroe is like the word became hidden truth. Right? So once that word got inside the flesh, it became hidden truth. Right? Um, like something on the inside that you had to pull out. Right? And, and so, so that's why we experience something we call revel- revelation. So basically seeing what's been hidden in our earthen vessels. The scripture says you have a treasure in your earthen vessels. So, so God comes in our life. He re- regenerates our life. All this makes sense when you go back and look at the video. <laughs> but he regenerates our life, right? He, he sets us up. He regenerates our life. And, um, and so we have so much in us, right? We have so much in us. But we got to get the flesh out the way to release it. Because the flesh suppresses. The spirit is indeed willing to release it. And so we got to get that flesh out the way. So, so what he says is, okay, take in more word, and the word will cleanse you of the obstructions that stop in the spirit from pouring out in you. Uh, you shall be like a, a well springing up into everlasting life, it says in uh, John 4, right? And so, so the word also enters of the white. It, inches of the word bring of light, it also brings light in and darkness leaves. So you're not as clouded. You're not as clouded. Uh, you know, most of the, our frustrations in our life are missed understandings, right? There's misunderstanding, you know, uh, uh, broken up relationships, things not going well. I don't think they like me. I don't think they're this. Oh, they trying to play me. It's a lot of times it's missed understanding, right? But, but when we get that word in there, we, we start to see how to navigate every special relationship. I, you know, I have a special relationship with my wife. Um, but but we've, we've had to grow in understanding and wisdom to navigate. You got this guy from North New Jersey. You got her from Columbus, Ohio. We raised in different houses, going through different processes of being raised. Um, both got to a place by the time we was 30, like, hey, you ain't going to play me. Well, you ain't going to play me. So you can imagine, you know, and then we're both aggressive communicating people. So, oh, no, it was just not cool, you know. But we had to find an understanding. Like it was worth it for us to, for me to understand her. Like whatever it takes, I'm going to understand her. She's that valuable. There's a treasure in there, and I got to go inside to find that treasure. And I might have to dig through some things, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But it's worth the dig, you know? And so, so but I noticed something. When it was, it was worth the dig to me, it started to be worth the dig to her, right? So, so something to think about. I, I know we're doing a relationship boot camp next month, but I thought I slipped that in there, right? I, so, so, so again, you have this process of word that we've talked about and how there's something hidden in our vessels. And... And, you know, Scripture tells us God's taking the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. So that word was hidden from the intelligent, those leaning on their knowledge, not those that are leaning on his knowledge. So sometimes for people that are very knowledgeable, it's hard for them to even discover God because it doesn't make logical sense. You know, and they're not going to humble themselves to, to say they don't know something. They have to yield to the spirit, right? And flesh doesn't do that. Flesh is very prideful. 
And so, so now God to that person remains hidden and all they're going to do is listen to soothing voices. And we said sexuality's voice, but God is hidden until you want to find them. Like you got to want to find them. Like God is not the type of person that pushes his way in our lives. Um, and so what he does is he sends us what we need and he's hoping that we'll hear so our soul may live. Now, how, do our, how does our soul live when we finally start to hear from God? Because, again, that engrafted word saves our soul. Well, think about it. God, in the, in the, in the Genesis, when God started this whole process, he breathed in, in Adam and he became what? A living soul. He breathed in him. So his, he breathed his voice into Adam. So what is God's word? His voice breathing in us. So the more we eat on God, we're eating what took place way back in Genesis 2. And we start to come alive. Our soul starts to come alive. If we, if we consume the world, it deadens our soul, right? And when our soul is dead, its appetite changes. It changes from the love of God and the love of the word of God to the lust of the world. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So we get the wrong appetite when our soul is dead. It seeks the wrong thing. Think about it. When you're not doing right, you ain't, when you ain't eating right, you just keep, I remember, I, so my diet, I don't know, what was this first year? We was in Gehanna, so maybe it was, so at least two years, year and a half or two, KFCs. KFCs every day. That's, that that you know, I ain't had time for nothing else. Everything was KFCs. Matter of fact, I don't, I don't even go to KFCs now. And then uh, she was maybe Taco Bell or something. We wasn't doing all right, you know. But, but we were so busy, and we, we just figured, well, we ain't got time to do this. We got time to do this. We got time to do that. Frantic. You know, you know, just kind of, well, let's just go to the bank, do this, go to the bank, do that. 49, you have overdrafts, all types of stuff, but you're, your flesh is running things and it's reflexing. It ain't out ahead of nothing. And so, so, so you, you go through this process until you really trust that regardless of what's going on, I can lock into God. And so, so but you have to get to a point to understand, hey, okay, the word became flesh. Why? So flesh can become the word. So, so Christ became flesh so we can become the Word. Not just talk about the Word, not just visit the Word, not just give it a shout out, not just pray to God, but we become the Word. You must allow your flesh to become the Word. We must submerge ourselves in the Word. You abide in me, and my words abide in you. You can ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. John 15, 7, right? We have to submerge ourselves. As the Scripture says, he, was, he became poor that we might be rich. So he gave up, he, came, he became without. The word poor means without, that we might be rich. So he gave of himself to become us so we can become him, right? And so that's why uh, that's, uh, 2 Corinthians 8, 9, it says he became poor that he might become rich. And then Galatians 3, 27, it talks about being baptized, submerged into Christ, having put on Christ, Right? To become one with him, right? I think Galatians says you're crucified with him. And so, so, okay, you're talking about a lot here. You're talking about sexuality's voice. You're talking about the word is the difference. You're talking about the word becoming flesh. So how do I allow the word to become flesh? Well, you have to just 
you have to receive it. See, the more I apply something, the more it becomes a part of my heart. So, so it's one thing if, uh, if I tell you, uh, okay, your shot's messed up. I want you toe, knee, bow, elbow, toe, 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 knee, elbow, reaching the net. I can tell you that all day. Like, toe, knee, elbow, reaching the net. I can just keep telling you that. It'd be like, okay, I believe it. You don't, it doesn't become a habit by you just saying you believe it. You actually have to apply it. You have to apply it to a point and you have to do it over and over and over and over again until it becomes you. Like you do, under pressure, you do it without thinking about it. So right now, under pressure is the word what we're doing without thinking about it. Like if you stub your toe, do you curse? Is that what comes out of you? And then you justify it because you curse. Or if there's, you go through a tragedy, oh, I got to have a drink. Everybody's not having a drink when they go through a tragedy. But, but that's because that's in our default. Something's in our default, right? And so, so we have to let it take root. Don't, the, the scripture says this. It says, some received the word um, and got offended immediately. Uh, this is Mark chapter 4. It says, some received it and, and, and they got it immediately. Some received it on stony ground. It didn't really take root. It says, uh, some received the word, let it take root, but then the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things entered in and choked the world, word, and it didn't produce fruit. So it's not just reading the word, talking about the word. The word is supposed to produce fruit in our lives. Like, like, see, we're supposed to become this word. So it's not like, you know, it's not, you know, if I'm, if I'm quote, quoting a thousand scriptures, but I'm, I'm not these scriptures. I don't live these scriptures. I'm just, I, I just sound nice. I'm a good orator. But I have to become this. So it's, it's, so it's, it's the goal. See, the adversary, first he doesn't want us to get it. Then he tries to get us offended, allow us to get offended, but then he'll try to choke the word through the lust of the world, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Because as long as it doesn't produce fruit, he's happy. As long as you don't become the word, because he can't deal with you if you become the word. Right? So the word has to pierce you, pierce your understanding. Get to a point where you start to see life through the word. The Holy Spirit cuts through our flesh to indwell in our hearts, to regenerate our spirits so we can now live out this word. Scripture says that the, the word is uh, quick, sharper than a two-edged sword, the, uh, the, uh, dividing the thoughts and the intents of the heart, right? In uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, that word goes in and carves out that flesh trying to influence that spirit and puts things back in perspective, Right? The scripture says in Ephesians 6.17 that the sword of the spirit is the the word of God. That's what he used for cutting. See, we need the sword of of the the spirit or the sword of the Holy Spirit to cut through this present darkness to start to see why we're stuck in this rut, in this mud, in this, like, like God has set this wonderful life for us to be fulfilled and for us to be Uh, in his presence, fullness of joy, in his right-hand pleasures forevermore. And we can't get past our own manipulations, our own controls, and our own comfort. 
uh, something my wife was saying when we was driving. She said, uh, she said, I just realized this, 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 this world is about what you can get, not what you can give. So when you wake up at David, your first thought is what's not pleasing you? Or is your first thought is how can I please somebody? I just thought that was powerful. Like when she said that, I was like, yeah, it's all about entitlement. Now, it's not about what I can give. Some people's success in life is what I've established and what I've accomplished, not what I've assisted other people to accomplish. It's, just, it's, it's like we've gotten clouded from what our whole intent is. Right? That's, we, we, we've lost sight, but that's through sexuality's voice. All right, so... So, again, we've talked about the, the value of this word. The word uh, helps us. It cuts us under. Uh, the word pierces our own soul. Uh, the word purges us. You know, it, it, it purges anything that's not, not supposed to be in us. Even when the, uh, Jesus came back, Luke 24, 32 through 35, Jesus comes back, you know, he goes to the crucifixion, he's resurrected, and he comes back and he sees the disciples. Um, but they didn't recognize him because he looked different, resurrected, than he was before. So he's walking and talking with them and talking with them. So they still didn't recognize who he was. <laughs> you know, he's talking with them. Then it, was a, a, then it was a shift. They was like, didn't our heart burn when he was talking to us? See, something happened when, when he started to speak into their heart burned, that consuming fire, the branding of the word go, went within them. When they, when they was talking with him, by the way, what happened, it opened them up and they started to see. And that's what the word is intended to do to us. Jeremiah 20 says, says uh, it's like fire shut up in our bones, right? But it's not supposed, it's supposed with the goal, it's, it's like fire shut up, it's, it, it's, it needs to be let out. We're snared by the words of our mouth. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. God spoke the world into existence. He took that same power and breathed in us and we became a living soul. What happens if, is what, when God pours in us and we speak it out? You know what, how the world changes? See, we magnify what we see as opposed to speaking what God says. We magnify what we see as opposed to speaking what God says. Remember, he saw darkness and he spoke light. Right, so, 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 so here we have the lust of the flesh, the lust of the world, the pride of life. We have this word that's supposed to help us, and we have to become the word. We recognize that. And, and then we've talked about how sometimes we, we decide whether or not we're going to receive the word. And sometimes our tolerance on how much we receive, it, it, well, how much we receive is based on our tolerance, not our obedience, right? And so, so now we're here with... with with the understanding, like, so our goal is to get the word. Our goal is to receive the word. So, so John 1, 12, look at this. John 1, 12. So our goal, the word is the key. That's the key. More word, the more our lives change, the more we can come, listen to spirituality's voice and not sexuality's voice. So John 1, 12, it says, but as many as received him, to them, to them gave he power to become sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So you would think it, was, it would be obvious, right? But, I'm sorry. 
Let's go to verse 11. It says, he came unto his own, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. So he's coming to the people for them to receive him, and they're rejecting him. In our time now, he's coming to us through the word, and we're rejecting the word. We're deciding whether or not we want to apply this word. Uh, the scripture talks about in Ephesians 4.14, we're tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. So, so th- that sexuality's voice have us listening to everything that's out here, but the only thing that's God's word. Scripture says in 2 Timothy, it talks about us having itchy ears. Like itchy ears, I need something that's going to soothe me, not something that's going to grow me, challenge me, and help me to change. Uh, what is it? First, First Corinthians 2, 4 and 5, it says, uh, my, my preaching and my teaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. See, that's, that's, the, that's that world's communication, sexuality's voice, but with demonstration of power. But we, 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 we gravitate to enticing words, soothing, orate, orated words of man's wisdom. You know, like we will sit and everything that pops up on, on the book, y'all know what I'm talking about, is like, oh, I just heard such and such. Wait, wait a minute. You just, you just heard what God said. How come you didn't react the same way to God? Or a news report comes on. Oh, they said such and such. We run around here right now because of some stuff that they're saying on the news. But how, don't, how come we don't respond that way to God? Like, we have a clipboard for God, but we don't have a clipboard for what we hear in the world. See, again, because there's something, there's something that we're craving for, sexuality's voice. So, so where, where I want to kind of close here, it's going to take a few minutes for me to close, but is for us to step back and start recognizing, like, we got to gravitate back towards God and not the perversion and the twistedness uh, of the world. A lot of things in the world that we're gravitating to is, is twisted, is perversion, and it's an abomination. You know, but, but we're so clouded sometimes, we're, we're fighting for perversion. Like even as Christians, I don't see what's wrong with that. I'm not killing nobody, not yet. Anytime you're twisted, there's, there's you're, for lack of better words, there's very few limits of what you can do. Remember, sin takes you further than you want to go, makes you stay longer than you want to stay, and makes you pay more than you want to pay. So once you get in twisted or wickedness, like, you don't control wickedness. You think you do. It controls you. Right? So we go, no, nah, I, I, I got this under control. Okay. Let's go to uh, Romans 1. You know, because, you know, a lot of times as a Christian, anytime somebody starts talking about wickedness or twistedness, like, again, the bottom line is, I said this when I opened up with this teaching, we're designed to love everybody. But, but I love my son. I have to give him the truth. I love everybody in this church. I have to give him the truth. I've been in some uncomfortable situations where I was not liked. I was talking to somebody today that I, was, I had the opportunity to serve as a mentor for years. And they was like, man, you just kept getting in my face. And he said, uh, he said, you just get in my face. But I was like, you know, 
Like back in the day, man, I'm not going to let nobody talk to me like this. He says, but everything you were saying was the truth, so I needed it. But I wasn't really trying to hear it. I'm from New York. How are you just going to be talking to me like that? And I wasn't really thinking. I got, when he told me, I was like, to be honest, I don't even know what I said to you. And I wasn't really trying to think like I was tough or nothing like that. I was just like, your life was so, so important. I got to give you this truth, even though you may not like me. That's, that, that's not what our culture trains us to do. Hey, 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 watch it. That's not politically right. Watch it. Hey, you don't want to say that. You could offend somebody, but the truth is the truth. So as a Christian, I've been hearing a lot. Uh, see, that's what's wrong with Christians. They hate this and they hate that. I don't know what type of Christians they're talking about. Christians are about love. And love is not just kindness. Love is, is I care about you enough to give you the truth at the expense of you liking me. No greater, love, no greater love than a man has than this, than he'll lay down his life for his friend. I might not have said it exactly right, but John 15, 13. So, so if I love you, I'm laying down what's comfortable for me or what I like to give you what you need. Not, that's what love looks like. Love doesn't just look like, it's okay, it'll be all right. So I'm going to make you comfortable in destroying yourself. So you're locked up in prison. I always tell this story. You're locked up in prison. I got the keys. I come, I give you cake, ice cream, soothing music. I give you all types of words of affirmation. Listen, man, people been locked up before, man. You cool. I got the keys in my pocket. I'm free. I go away from the prison. You're going to say, you know what, Keith, man, one thing about him, he there for me, man. He always shows up to support me in prison. I got keys in my pocket. Why am I? I'm supposed to get, see the keys are the truth. So, so I'm not supposed to just come and soothe you locked up and I walk away free. I'm supposed to give you the keys to help me to be free. Now, if you don't want to use them, that's on you. And so our culture takes that as bashing or you hate somebody. No, I'm a Christian. I love people. So I love them. I love everybody for where they're at. And we talked about you know, yeah, but you don't understand. You can't get on people that were born this way. The Bible says we must be born again, all of us. So, so, so that's my job. I'm trying to convert souls into heaven, not try to comfort people here to be comfortable on this, in, on this earth realm. Just something to think about. So let's look what the scripture says. Uh, we're going to read uh, Romans 1, 18 through 32, but I'm going to read it from the Amplified. It says, for God does not overlooks sin. So if God doesn't overlook sin, I can't. And the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all, not some, all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who in their wickedness or twistedness suppress and stifle the truth. Because, they which is, because that which is known about God is evident within them in their inner consciousness, for God made it evident to them for ever since the creation of the world his invisible attributes, his eternal power, his divine nature, has been clearly seen being understood through his workmanship, all his creation, the wonderful things that he has made. So that they who fail to believe and trust in him are without excuse and without defense. For even though they knew God as the creator, they did not honor him as God and give thanks for his wonderful creation. On the contrary, they became worthless in their thinking, godless with pointless reasonings and silly speculations. And their foolish heart was darkened, clouded, 
claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory and majesty and excellence of the immortal God for an image, worthless, worthless idols in the shape of mortal man and birds and four-footed animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over in, in the lust of their own hearts to sexual impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them, abandoning them to the degrading power of sin. Because by choice, by their choice, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forevermore. Amen. For this reason, God gave them over to degrading and vile passions. For their women exchanged the natural function for, for that which is unnatural, a function contrary to nature. And in the same way, also men turned away from the natural function of women and were consumed with their desire toward one another, men with men committing shameful acts, and in return receiving in their own bodies that inevitable and appropriate penalty for their wrongdoing. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God or consider him worth knowing as their creator, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do the things which are improper, repulsive, until they were filled, permeated, saturated with every kind of unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, and mean-spiritedness. They are gossips, spreading rumors, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of new forms of evil, disobedient and disrespectful to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful, without pity. Although they know God's righteous decree and his judgment that those which do such things deserve death, yet they do not only do them, but they even enthusiastically approve and tolerate others who practice them. Now, this is the Bible. This is not Pastor Keith. I'm a Christian. I believe what the word says. And it, it, there's a, a key word in all this, choice. When we talked about the soul can choose the flesh or choose the spirit, it was choice. And so it's amazing how we choose things, but we don't want the consequences. So now you want me to bend my reality towards your compromise. That, and that, respectfully, people do it all the time. I can't do it because then I'm not a Christian. Who, who's going to represent what God says? If the, if the pastors don't, then who's going to represent what God says? So when you come to a church, you're expecting to hear God's word and God's truth, not somebody just to exhort and, and compromise your compromise. Um, so, so uh, Jude chapter 1, verse 7. I'm going to read this out of Amplified too. Jude chapter 1, verse 7. It says, uh, just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the adjacent cities, since they in the same way as these angels indulged in gross immoral freedom and unnatural, uh, unnatural vice and sensual perversity. It says, uh, they, uh, they are exhibited in plain sight as an example in undergoing the punishment of everlasting fire. That's Bible. That's not my opinion. And this is not, this is not a result of hate. This is a result of people choosing to not believe and trust God or not follow his plan for fulfillment. You know, being pulled into sexuality's voice and compromise. 
Leviticus 20, 13. I'm going to read that in Amplifies too. It says, if a man lies intimately with a male as if he were a woman, both, both men have committed a detestable, perverse, unnatural act. They shall most certainly be put to death. Their blood is on them. Right? Leviticus 18, 22, Amplified again. It says, you shall not lie intimately with a male as one lies with a female. It is repulsive. Right? That's scripture. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. It says, uh, do you know that the unrighteous will not inherit or have any share in the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexual immoral, nor idler, nor adulterer, nor perversely effeminate, nor homosexuals. Right? So, 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 again, just sexuality's voice from the standpoint of of anything, any perversion. So you got people doing stuff outside of marriage. You got people doing stuff uh, that because they're playing off of like sexuality is okay. Uh, so we have a world of pornography and different things like that. People can choose to do whatever they want. The Bible says, 1 Corinthians 6, 12, all things are lawful, but not expedient, not best, right? So what it's saying, when it says all things are lawful, it's not saying all things are okay. What it's saying is that Pretty much because we have choice, we can choose to do whatever, but everything we do is not going to benefit our life and everything we do is not getting us in heaven. But, but we live in a culture where it's like, oh, no, nah, you know, uh, once you do this, it's okay, you're fine. You know, listen, God is a God of love. Yeah, love is not just kindness. The Bible says he chastens whom he loves. But we, 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 turn, we convert chastening into hate. The Bible says you, you, you spare the rod, you spoil your child. That's what the Bible says. You spare the rod, you spoil your child. So, what is, so, so again, I, I use this example all the time. I had to share it with my daughter-in-law some years ago. We were talking about spanking my grandchildren. I said, well, I learned this through uh, CPR. I was working in corrections. And when we did the CPR, I was telling you a story. We, I had the little baby. And they said, you know, something's lodged in the baby's throat. You have to turn it over. I remember that. And you have to thrust it back. So I was going like this. And, and the lady said, what you doing? I said, well, you know, I'm thrusting it back. He said, the goal is to dislodge what's in the child. He said, she said, thrust the back. I was like, well, I don't want to break the baby. She said, at the expense of the child's life? And so, so for me, spare the rise, spoil the child is saying the same thing. It's saying... The devil is bound inside your child, choking your child. Your child needs spiritual CPR called a spanking to drive out that spirit. You're going to let that spirit stay in your child just to be liked? <laughs> this guy over here said beat him. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, but, but, but it's the same thing. Like when, when, when a man or woman of God is sharing the truth, it's going to be uncomfortable because that flesh doesn't want to hear the truth. It's an all-consuming fire. That flesh starts to burn, quench. Say, hey, have you ever see somebody ain't been around the truth and the truth start coming? You know, they, they don't know what to do, man. They, they, <laughs> you know, they can't sit still because it's, 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 it's not them, it's the flesh. The flesh is like, okay, how long are we going to tolerate this? Because I got to go. You know, like, because it's, it's too much. You know, it's like the, the flesh is like, okay, you know, I, you know, I got to go to the bathroom, something, right? 
Because, you know, because it just doesn't, the, the flesh is, uh, uh, it's fighting, man. And that's a transition you all go through, right? It, it, that's what we go through. So, so as a man of God, you know, I, man, I, you know, obviously I'm not, the, I'm not the controversial person, but come on, man, the Bible is clear. First Corinthians 5, Paul sat down and talked to, to, to his people. He said, he said, man, you got incest in the church. It's First Corinthians 5, read it for yourself. He said, man, the dude's, dude's, oh. he said, dude's sleeping with his mom. He was like, First Corinthians 5, he, he said, he said, God's sleeping with his mom. Okay, that's bad, but y'all, y'all, y'all not even, y'all pretending. I don't see it. <laughs> he said, Come on, man. He said, that's not, he said, you should, that dude should be turned over, he said, to Satan to touch his flesh so we can get his spirit back. He said, man, we can't like, y'all can't be endorsing it, condoning it, not even discussing it. At least establish, hey, God's not pleased with this. Now, you can make whatever choice you want to make after that. But we don't do that no more, do we? Well, you don't want to say that. Well, that's not, well, you might offend this person, that person. Listen, right now, we might be offending people that wear red shirts. You know, that might be the next thing. That, you know, now, listen, hey, 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 don't, don't, hey, watch your emphasis on red. You know, red's close to blood. You know, come on, man, can we stop? Like, like, we have to live out truth, and growing up involves correction. It involves uh, uh, challenge. The scripture talks about reproof and rebuke. That's all about growing up. I've learned through mistakes and correction. I don't want to hear correction. Listen, I get correction now. I'm 58. I'll be 59 in August. So she's 59 now. So I guess since she's the elder, the elders in the house, I get correction from her. So, so sweetheart, can I talk to you for a second? Boy, you really don't want that conversation. But if it's true, I got to eat it. And, and sometimes, I'm, I'm, listen, I'm the type of person you got to come correct because, you know, I, my mind is like a, sometimes like a computer. Like, okay, so well, you're saying this, 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 and the other. But, but she'll tell you something. I don't care how much I talk to her. If she watches me in proximity to that conversation, I've made a change. Even if it's something that I'm like, this makes absolutely no sense to me. I'm still going to make the change because I know it might be something I can't see. Even though I don't, I, I, I might not even agree, but that don't mean I, I'm seeing clear. I can have a blind spot. I'm saying this, and she's a witness right there. As God's my witness, I be making some changes. Sometimes it's been too extremes. I'll say that. She's like, okay, I didn't want you to like, like, like go that far, you know. But sometimes I don't trust myself unless I go to extreme. I say, I go to extreme. I know I'll do what you need me to do. You know what I'm saying? But if we're going to play it like do it sometime and do it not, there's a chance I might slip back into my default, right? You understand what I'm saying? Like, so, so I'm saying this because we're going to be in situations where people just need the truth. And they're going to back you off of the truth by saying, see, y'all just hate this. Nobody hates no one. Matter of fact, we love you enough to give the truth. We might be hating you if we leave you there in that prison. Because this is a temporary life. 
I just saw, you know, uh, I didn't know the person, but, you know, I, everything I know of the person was, was, was pretty good. The person just passed away. They had to, when a person was born, they had a dash, and when the person passed away. That dash represents our temporary. The oldest person you know, if, even if they're 100, put that on a scale and put eternity on a scale. It don't even, it's like no contest. Eternity is forever. This is temporary. We can't do everything, every law we pass, everything we do is to train us in the temporary at the expense of the eternal. That's dangerous, man. Some people are so trained in, the, in, in this, t- this world of compromise, they ain't going to make it to the eternal. And, 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 man, do you realize, okay, let's say if you took your, if you took your life. No, nobody takes their life. But let's say you took your life. You, well, you, well, you just took your life. So, so God put you here, you just took your life. You're doing it for what? Relief, right? I mean, come on, y'all. I mean, I know that's a sensitive topic, but let's just, I'm done, I'm, right? It's for relief, right? But you realize what you were going through, you just took into eternity? So now what you were dealing with and could have gotten a change with making a choice in Christ, you just took into eternity. So now you're going to be dealing with that forever. No relief. Nobody's telling people on the back end of, of, of suicide that. Or if you caught up in lust, remember it says uh, he may come as a thief in the night. And you caught him, he comes and you are consumed with lust. You take that into eternity with no quench, nowhere around. It can't be quenched. It can't be satisfied. Matter of fact, you can't even get a taste to get just a little bit of, you know, it's like, it's, it's like thirsting for water. And, and remember, uh, what is it, uh, what is it? It was the rich man, right? And he was like, could you tell Lazarus to, to dip his finger in the water? That's, I just take that. He said, oh, no, 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 no. There's a gulf between y'all two. You're in hell. <laughs> he can't come over there. Too late now. He just wanted to dip, uh, just, hey, hey I'll, I'll lick his finger of water. I'll take that. That's how thirsty he was. But that was parallel to how people will be with lust and stuff like that. It's called torments. Read it. I mean, read with the description of hell. It says in torment. That's why it's torment. It's unquen- it not only is unquenchable, you don't even get a taste. You can't be taking this stuff into eternity. Matter of fact, you don't go into heaven where all thirsts are quenched. You go into hell where nothing is quenched. Everybody's going to be in eternity. It's just where you're going to spend it. And see, so, oh, here you go, fire and brimstone. No, it's not. It's like, hey, realize we're be- some of us are being set up through all this sexuality voice, passing laws and everything for sexuality. Sexuality is not supposed to be the first voice. Spirituality is this word. I'm a Christian. I live in Christ. This is what I got to play off of. Here we go again. Listen. I'll shut up if we, if we decide to be obedient to this. What could I say? <laughs> we're doing this already. But, but if we, we're, we're not, he's coming to us 
And, and we're receiving them not sometimes because sexuality's voice is always saying, ah, I just talked to somebody today. You know what? A lot of people don't really commit. They don't believe they're going to carry it out. You know, they'd be thinking like, well, you know, my, based on my history, <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to be able to complete this thing. But you're basing it on your history, not your history with Christ and the Holy Spirit. He that begun a good work will perform it until the day of Christ Jesus. He'll work in you to will and do his good pleasure. Apart from him, you can do nothing. So none of us can meet a commitment apart from Christ. You ain't by yourself. Neither can Keith Bradley. That's why I connected to Christ. That's why I'm yielding to the Holy Spirit, because I can't do nothing without him. I don't know what to say to nobody. I have no clue of what to say to anybody. I don't have no clue what to do. We, we moved to this church. I don't know what to do with this thing. But, but Christ does. The Holy Spirit does. I'm yielding to the Holy Spirit. I'm having these conversations. I'm, meant, I'm allowed to serve and mentor people all over the world. I don't know what to say to nobody. I mean, uh, you're doing a Bible study with people in Pakistan. I'm doing these Bible study with people in Kenya. Come on, man. I, I got to wait for an interpreter. And you got to come right. Like you can't, I, can't, I can't teach like I'm teaching right now because there's a, there's a gap. You know, I got to wait for him to interpret. And then I can't say certain words the way we talk because they might not, even the interpreter might not have learned that part of the language yet. This guy was out here, uh, he's uh, giving us an estimate to take care of the fellowship hall. And he's from Mexico. And so as we're talking, there's certain words that, okay, how you say, this is, they'll say to you a lot. So how you say, and they're trying to find the, the, how can I say, the most common word to express that thought. But we got like a thousand ways to express the thought. I got to simplify it to make sure everybody, he can flow with the language and he can communicate it. I'm, I, I'm, in, my, I'm in my study, doing a Bible study. I'm picking up plants. I'm grabbing Bibles. I'm doing all types of stuff because I have to show what I'm saying sometimes too. Like, I just, it, it ain't just sitting there. I got to just show him how to see. I'm putting on my glasses. You know, sometimes he'll take the, the, the Zoom and, and so the people can see me put on the glasses. Pick up, I was picking up a plant just to show him how to, how to receive. Like, you, you understand what I'm saying? Like, it's a process, right? And it's the same thing. Like, if we get so clouded with this sexuality's voice, nobody's going to understand anything, but we're... People are going to be crying and gnashing with teeth. Do you get it? It's a sucker move. And, 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 and when you see this, I love everybody. And don't, don't take my word for it. Interview anybody you think know me. Go on my Facebook page, write down the names, and talk to them. I love everybody. I've ministered to people with all types of lust, whether it's homosexual, uh, adultery, pornography, everything. I've, I've talked to them, everything, and, and, and assist them. Okay, you don't have to stay there. Because I was in lust. And God showed me I don't have to stay there. Changed my entire life. So, so, so I'm not going to just sit, hey, hey, guess what? I'm going to hit you right here. This before we even get to the boot camp. You know what the behind-the-scenes issue is? Why it seems crazy? It's lust. 
That's the behind the scenes. Because when things get crazy, people just, well, I just take care of myself. And so you get more and more clouded, and then the person like, something just ain't right. We just ain't, you know what I'm saying? We just ain't jiving together. Yeah, because when you go on the self, you leave the person you're connected with. You see what I'm saying? Hey, so here we go. Say, hey, there you go. I didn't come to church for that. I don't know what anybody came to church for. What I'm trying to say is, it's a silent killer. It's destroying our purpose, our dreams. Like we're sitting now, we're not, we're not moving because we're weakened. We talk about more than we do. And God is like, no, no, this season, this first time I ever taught on this topic this way ever in my history of teaching. But we're in a time and a season and God, God has a plan. And for, for, for anybody that has hear, ears to hear, let them hear. Now let them hearken. Listen with the intent to obey. Everything will change. I'm telling you, everything will change. I know I took a couple extra minutes. Thank you for your uh, patience and attentiveness to listen to my diatribe there. But I, I, but I, I don't want nobody to be bound. And, and I'm not mad at nobody. I don't think nobody in the world, well, some people are gaming, so. But, but I think there's a whole lot less people gaming than just people clouded, and they actually think they're doing what's best. You know, some of the things, they actually really believe they're doing what's best, but no one's really taking the time out to really get into God's plan. If you understand God's plan, it's a fulfilling thing. I lived on both sides. It's no comparison. 